And we are back again, Rogue Table Talks, number 98. RTT. Number 98, creeping up on the century mark. Uh, 98% of the way to 100. <laughs> I don't That's right. <laughs> yeah. So just in case you were wondering where we were on a percentage <laughs> basis uh, compared to 100, uh, that's where we are. And uh, and we are getting close to Easter here in the uh, in the real world, uh, uh, yeah, as they sometimes refer to in social media in the real world, in real life, IRL. Um, in real life, we're getting close to Easter. It's coming up on, I think, yeah, tomorrow will be a week from Good Friday uh, as we record this. And so this will, yeah, it will be sort of Holy Week when this comes out. And in in the story of, of Jesus that we're looking at here in the Gospels, we are getting close there as well. We're in the upper room. And uh, so we're just kind of thinking of that whole idea of story and redemption. And we're going to take a look at, um, you know, where we are in sort of redemptive history uh, in this story and maybe try to place it in a bigger picture, the bigger story of redemption. And uh, I just thought we maybe we'd start with something about, like, do we think of our own redemption in that way? Like this, the our own story of redemption, do we think of it in, uh, in sort of, you know, the, the, uh, the narrative of how we got to this that place and maybe how you know do we maybe sense God's move in retrospect do we see God's hand uh do we place that in a bigger story <clears throat> um and you know I'll just start by saying I don't know that we actually normally think of it that way I think we t- think of ourselves as sort of independent individual operators experiencing life making choices you know you know, one day I decided to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And it's almost as if no one else, like, was involved, right? That Jesus was sitting there waiting for me. Oh, good news. Here comes Mike. Um, I think, <laughs> I yes. mean, I think even saying that, I think, well, yeah, I mean, and there's maybe a sense in which that's how we experience it. But I don't know. I think we miss something when we don't think of it as a bigger picture sort of thing that isn't just up to me. Um, I don't know. That's a little rambling. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, maybe too much uh, for this opening part. But I do think it feels like there's been such a disconnection from the historical uh, church. That's why... A lot of people say, well, there's people leaving the church. Yeah, but there's a mass influx to uh, high church, high liturgy. People are going to uh, Episcopalian, Anglican, Catholicism because they feel like there's a sense sense of connectedness to ancient history. And it's not just me out here alone getting picked off by Jesus, uh, who's really just interested in saving individual souls. So I think that's, that's something that say but then there's the scriptural context as well is uh, I don't see my redemption I see it primarily being about me going to heaven as opposed to 
the you know 10 other things it speaks to mm-hmm. um in addition to something in addition to that but 10 other things it speaks to like i get i'm one person as a part of a community now my vocation is found in, in this community there's a bigger mission and a bigger story that i get to participate in um god's doing something in the world he always has been so now i get to be a part of it type type stuff so i i do think there's this on the one hand redemption seems very individualistic and i would say if that's the case uh leading to despair uh, for that individual or there's this really large context in which the story takes place and i get to be a small part of it uh and to me that would offer a greater sense of purpose and meaning because i'm significant but i'm it's a, as Gandalf says to Bilbo, it's a, such a, I'm such a small person in a large world after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think we, we maybe in our modern, postmodern situation, we often decry our lack of meaning or purpose or connectedness or whatever but we then li- we tend to live in ways that which lead us away from that where everything is everything is optional um you know in our in i think in our current american life it just feels like everything's optional uh, i can decide to do this i can decide to do that i can decide to give i can decide to go to church i can decide to serve i can decide to serve here rather than there like it's everything's up to me and I should do some things and I should avoid some things, but it's a single person moving through this timeline. Like I'm in some sort of adventure game, you know, it's like I'm a single player in some role playing game and I'm deciding to go Mm -hmm. through this door or this door. Um, And I think that's an essentially false way of looking at life that we can live that way, but that we are actually connected with other people, obligated to other people, um, that other people, you know, are sort of connected to us. And uh, we have this mutual uh, mission, this mutual identity, uh, that we are connected to God. We are members of God's family in a way that isn't just, uh, doesn't just assist me in my individual choices, but ties me to other people and ties me to this big story. And that is actually where meaning and purpose is found. And we live in a, a way in which denies that. And yet we want to preserve ultimate and complete autonomy. And it's the ultimate and complete autonomy is what leads to, as you said, despair. Because, you know, I'm not connected to anything bigger or whatever. Being connected to things bigger means I, don't, I re- must realize I don't have complete autonomy that what I do impacts other people. What they do impacts me. I'm not insulated or isolated. Um, I'm not in some sort of individual adventure role-playing game. I'm in this big story. Uh, And I was called to be a part of it, that God moved and prepared some people and events and chronologies so that I would come to know him. And is still doing that so that I can grow and I can resist or I can whatever. I do have a part to play, but, um, you know, I'm a part of something bigger. And I think there's a great comfort and uh, a great, um, you know, a great grounding 
uh, if we want to live in that way. Yet everything about the way we live now fights against that sort of thing, I think. Um, and I, th you know, as I'm thinking, as we're in this, this story of redemption, uh, this might, is, is a good story to think of, sort of make that connection. And there, and so it's, it's in the upper room, Jesus and his disciples, and they are, um, they're going to celebrate the Passover. Uh, and so maybe we should just, before we even read the passage, um, like what, let's talk a little bit about the Passover. What were they celebrating? What, how, how does, what are they commemorating? What part of redemptive history? Uh, and how does that fit into what was happening then? Um, so the Passover goes all the way back to Exodus, right? And, um, and back, it's really the last plague, right? The 10th plague, um, the people there slaved, um, Pharaoh won't let them go. And, uh, the last plague is the death of the firstborn in any, every household, right? And, and then the, the Israelites get instructions to, to paint their door frame, to identify themselves as God's people. And the basically angel of death would pass over their house uh, and leave them untouched. And that then was what caused the Pharaoh to finally say, okay, you can go, get out of here. Um, and so like, what is that? As you, as you look at, as you think about the Old Testament, the flow of the Old Testament, um, and like, why do we care about that now? What is, what connection to speak of that, this bigger story we're in, what connection does that have with us now? Would you say? Yeah. Um, I think that especially the Exodus is, uh, the paradigm through which we view redemption. It's the, it's the, if you don't have the Exodus, then you have to do a lot of explaining when it comes to the death on the cross, a lot of explaining. But if you have another picture to point to and say, it's like this, um, it's very helpful. And so the first picture of redemption is um, God's people are oppressed and enslaved. There's something more powerful than them. They need someone more powerful than that power to come rescue them. And then they need to be cleansed, to be purified, to be set in a, in a position uh, uh, where they can display the goodness of this great and powerful king um, and then be his subjects, his loyal subjects, so that they can tell about how great this kingdom is. And so you see this in the Exodus and then you see it recapitulated in the cross as a new Exodus and a new community or second Exodus, if you will where God is saving us from something much more insidious from a human oppression, uh, the power of sin. And uh, he's not going to sacrifice any other firstborn except his own on the cross. And similar themes of purification, new community, purpose and mission. Um, same story, uh, new chapter. Um, and that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning. I'm a part of their story uh, because of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm living out that ancient story 
because this is the second exodus, so to speak. Yeah, so I mean, that's sort of, it seems odd to us, to our modern, postmodern ears to say, yeah, the story of the exodus is our story, that we are connected to that story. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's the, you know, it's the, it's the main redemptive movement of the Old Testament pointing to the main redemptive movement of the New Testament, the final redemptive movement, if you will. Um, and, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot we could talk about uh, related to that, but I do think it's interesting. This is before the law. Um, yeah. This is this before the ceremonial ways, the sacrifices in which they were set apart as God's people. This was sort of the, um, I mean, before this, they had the promise to Abraham. They had the promise to the patriarchs. They had some stories. That was it. Uh, and now this is God setting them apart as his people by saving them, by redeeming them, by setting them free. Um, and, uh, you know, they, by, by calling them into this bigger story uh, of redemption and the law and everything else comes after. Uh, and so um, here we are, Jesus, the fulfillment of all of that, the fulfillment of, uh, you know, he is the, the last firstborn, if you will. Uh, to die for sin, and uh, that the the fulfillment of all the ceremonial law, you know, the the, the fulfillment of the promises, and you know, this Passover, this last Passover dinner together, is this sort of a culmination. This upper room thing is a it's a much bigger deal um, that you know, Jesus, only Jesus at this point probably knows you know the fullness of of that. Uh, but as as they enter the the upper room, and that as you know, the disciples look back. John, in particular, spends a lot of time in it. That you know, there's a lot that goes on in this in this upper room that is sort of the fulfillment of of many things uh, that came before it. Um, so let me read uh, just a short. Um, there's chapters in the upper room from John. We don't have time for all of that, but uh, Luke 22, starting in verse seven. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Then he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Um so it's it's striking so this great redemptive act is is about to be fulfilled this final redemptive act and there's things that that are part of the story um that this this passover meal is part of that story it's a it's it's a link in the narrative and you know look how many times preparations or prepare uh occur in this passage that it's been you know this is what you need to do prepare to to prepare and preparations have been already made for you to do that. Uh, and, you know, there's a guy carrying a jar of water that's 
part of the story. Does he know he's part of the story? I don't know. <laughs> Follow him to the house. Say to the owner of the house. The teacher asks, where's the guest room that I made at the Passover? So is, what's Jesus' connection to this teacher? How does this teacher know this is coming? But I don't know. I mean, we, there's part of the story we don't, like it's unfolding and yeah. it's being guided and we don't all get to see it. And here's just a little glimpse of they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. Um, and, I, you know, I just wonder, is this sort of, I think this is sort of a picture of life all the time that Jesus is going ahead, the Holy Spirit is going ahead, there are preparations, there are movements that we don't know about and are just being faithful to our part of the story allows the story to move forward and it's not random you know there's not a random sequence of events um you know that the preparations are being made uh and it's sort of uh i don't know what, what you know what do you think when you when you hear well that? I, I mean it's fascinating that? well it's fascinating you think of like these these characters in the story and they're a part of the story maybe they recognize some significance i mean it's not we don't get this but it's pure speculation but the the, the water boy here uh is being followed and then somebody says after he walks in the house you know hey tell get your get the master of the house and then he has to know that when jesus comes east with the disciples jesus is coming to you with his disciples it's passover and so does the master's house so um do they know the complete significance of the role that they play? Probably not. Do they know that they're they're somehow a part of it? Probably so. And I feel like it's very similar to us. I don't necessarily liken us uh, as great as we may be. As great, you know, as, as famous as you're an author of books and spiritual leader and all these wonderful things. Um, we're probably still the water boy and mm -hmm. the host and we're we don't get names, you know? <laughs> um, so I, but, but there's a good part about that is we're in the story and we recognize that there's some significance to it, but we don't get the fullness of that. I think God hides us, hides that from us. And I think that's a good thing, uh, for us that we're playing a role and we don't always get the, um, insight to how significant it is for other people's yeah. lives in this story but but the good news is is we get to be kind of anonymous difference makers you know and uh to me that's i i think that's healthy for us so to speak yeah it's healthy i just don't think we always like it or we don't like the idea <laughs> of we don't like the idea of the credits of the movie going you know past after the movie and it's water boy mike sherman i mean <laughs> Waterboy number four. Uh, I should have okay. got a main role here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we want to think of ourselves as the hero of the story, as the prime mover, as the one in control. And actually, we're much better off just being faithful to play our part, not even knowing, like not even being in on the secret plans of what our part means or whatever, is just trusting God and being faithful to our part, that there is actual fulfillment, meaning, purpose, uh, in what seems to be trivial or small is actually maybe isn't trivial or small at all. We don't know. I mean, you know, the water boy is actually a part of 
a momentous moment in redemptive history that we're reading about thousands of years later. He certainly didn't know that. And, you know, what other momentous moments am I a part of that I don't even know? And just simple faithfulness, simple uh, remembering who I am, simple remembering what, like, what community I'm a part of, you know, who, who am I called to? Uh, that probably happens a lot. And I might have a sense that something is important, but the full importance of it, you know, and I just think that's there. There is a um, there is a flourishing there and a fulfillment there. That's all good, that is well and good, and yet somehow we want to be, you know, <laughs> we want to have a bigger role, right? We want to be yeah. named. We want to have, you know, um, and, and and I do think there's that's something that. We just have to, that's a matter of faith. Like I'm actually better off just playing my part and being faithful and not even really knowing what part of the story is the most important part. Yeah. Uh, Cause in real time, man, we don't know. Um, so um, it would be interesting to go back and like, what is like, what happened to this water boy? Did he be, was he already a follower? Did he become a follower? Did like what influence, I mean, it, you know, that's most of life happens. Most of it seems like the important things of life happen and nobody's ever going to give you a prize for it. Um, and that's good. (laughs) That's actually a good thing. Just don't think we always think it's a good thing. Um, much to our, I don't know, detriment. Well, it's, it's, you know, to pit two things against each other in this conversation. Um, if that's our, what our ego needs, if we think that's what our ego needs is I need to be important, significant, and I've got to make a difference. And, but I get to define that as I got to have so many followers and, uh, I've got to lead a really large church or I've got to own my own business. I, I don't know for people listening, I have to be able to make the, the calls and call the shots and, um, in and of itself, those things are not bad. It's just what's, what is the driver for us? And for some people, uh, that's their ego battle is I have to be the star of the show. Um, it's kind of back to your, I'm it's, this is a video game, uh, and I'm the single sole player in that. So all of us probably in the West have that to some degree. I'm, I'm calling the shots for my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us battle different more than others, but but then it's this other, the other contrast is I'm a member of the community of faith. I'm not the, the head of the community of faith. I'm not the leader of the community of faith. Jesus is the leader of the community of faith. He's the covenant Lord of the church. We're all members of the church. We're all members in the body. Uh, people play different roles, but we're all members. And that's, that's a sobering, healthy perspective. Um, and I would argue more appealing and more satisfying than the ego need to, I have to be, I have to big time everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I can big time, then I I know I've arrived. Yeah. And even I want people to know the sacrifice I made. I want people to know 
uh, I want to be vindicated because I was wronged and I want all of that. You know, I want, um, yeah, I want people to look at me like I should be looked at, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, that's, there's sort of that, like, and I think, just think that's a sense of, um, that's where my significance lies. If I'm thinking about that too much, that, you know, that's how I'm defining myself. And uh, it doesn't seem right that people think of me, you know, as insignificant, or don't think of me at all. Um, and, you know, it's it, what's amazing is the one who is thinking of us is the ruler and king of the universe who has a part for us to play uh, of importance and of meaning. And he gives us all of that. And that's like we either forget that or that's not enough for us or um, we want, do we want to feel it in the moment, right? And that's, I do think there's this element of faith that I have to have faith that this is actually better for me. This is actually, this is actually the best thing for me is to play my part and to, to bear the significance. And in the long run, I will, you know, uh, if nobody else knows, nobody else finds out, it's thankless, it's nameless. Um, this, that's actually way better than some other sort of me trying to push myself forward and, and be something. Um, and I just think that's a fundamental, f- uh, act of faith. I don't know, maybe all cultures and all times, uh, have struggled with it, but I think in the West here in America, for sure, that's a, that's a fundamental struggle that we feel like we're afraid of being nobodies. Mm-hmm. Right. Deep down, we're afraid of being insignificant. And yet there is the king of the universe wants to give us significance. Is that enough for us? Or do we want to be significant in the eyes of other people that notice us and say yeah, that's, it to us? That's, yeah, that's a great point. We, uh, the alternative to I'm afraid of being insignificant, therefore the gospel makes me the most significant is, is yeah. not accurate. Yeah. The gospel right. gives me a role of significance, but not at the center of the story. Yeah, and that's actually right. That's actually the way of flourishing for me. That's not a, well, it's nice, but not as nice as it would be if I was at the center of the story. <laughs> no, it's actually better that I'm not at the center of the story. Um, so, um, and then with that in mind, as we're thinking about, you know, being connected to the Passover however millennia however many millennia ago in god's people being sort of staked out as god's people and being then redeemed and set free you know jesus says um i have eagerly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer um for i tell you i will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of god so he's looking forward to he knows what's coming right after after this Passover, he's going to be arrested. It's going to be a trial. He's going to be crucified. Um, and then he's looking past that, that there will be a time when I will celebrate again. Um, so first of all, what do you think that's referring to? If we know for sure. Yeah. Is it one thing or is it just in general that when, when I eat it again in the kingdom of God, yeah, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't quite know. Um, 
I don't think I do. I mean, I don't think we know that. It says until it finds fulfillment. But the idea is there is some fulfillment coming where there will be a meal. There will be, yeah. There will be. Yeah, right? I think of the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation yeah. nineteen, maybe nineteen. I think, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. when he's to me when he says fulfillment, there there can be multiple fulfillments. There can be partial this prophet prophecy, partial fulfillment, um, and then uh, absolute fulfillment. Uh, for sure, uh, it feels like this is more along the lines of um, the the ultimate. You know, when it again finds fulfillment in the kingdom. Well, he's the kingdom has always been. He's you know bringing it another step closer to fulfillment, and yet it's not fulfilled as it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like he's referring to something. Uh, greater in the future, a, a totality, mm-hmm. uh, something, what, something what it, like co- Revelation nineteen or even past Revelation nineteen. Yeah, consummation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's that. You know, creation, fall, redemption, consummation, uh, and so then that means then we're connected to that as well. That's in our future. That when it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God, and we will eat the meal together that we're going to be a part of that at some part that that it's not just uh that like this story isn't just as you've said and it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning that salvation is just a way to get me to heaven that that's this idea that truncates salvation to some sort of personal deal that gets rid of my sin gets jesus righteousness so i can live forever with with him in heaven um that is a part of it as well but it's also this it's not so that so all all that seems to imply is this life is basically a yes or no pass fail test to get into heaven or not and then we start a new whatever whatever i mean we don't think about that as terms of purpose or meaning or redemptive flow or anything it's like i don't know what we think you know we'll sit on clouds or we'll you know whatever um and and yet the the, 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 the biblical picture is, is more full that that our story is contiguous and continuous with the original Passover in Exodus and it's also with this future eternal you know celebration uh, of God's people together whatever that's going to be in this like we're part of that story as well mm-hmm. and we're connected to, to both and we're going to be in that place. Um, not just the disciples in the upper room, but all of God's people together will be, you know, eating and drinking in the kingdom. Uh, and that's part of our future and our story as well. And it's not, it's so it's, my identity is part of, a big part of my identity is somebody who's basically in this story. And, uh, Therefore, I, every choice isn't open to me. Every path isn't possible for me. Um, you know, that, and that's a good thing because I'm connected to this big story as well. Um, I don't know that we, again, I don't think we think of that, but we just think very sort of short term, you know, what's good for now, what's good for the future for us is, I don't know, retirement instead of eternity. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and I do think that truncates just everything about our Christian life. Um, uh, so I don't, what do you think that does? I mean, not thinking about being connected to Exodus is one thing, you know, not thinking about being connected to the story that goes on for eternity. What, what do we lose in that, uh, in terms of our Christian experience now? Well, I think Easter's coming up and I think, you know, there was a, a certain set of questions that people asked people always ask about resurrection and people asked questions 40 years ago and it was probably based on some type of proof um, for the resurrection we need proof that Jesus rose from the dead and we need proof that the Bible is the Word of God and we need proof and it was very facts based mm-hmm. um, apologetics so to speak um, I think those questions they may still have similarities, but I think they've changed. I think it's not, I need proof that Jesus rose from the dead. It's so what for my daily mm-hmm. life? Like, so what? Mm-hmm. Like, what does Jesus rise from the dead Yeah, have to do with me, um, you know, having an anxiety attack? What does that have to do with anything? What does mm-hmm. Jesus rising from the dead have to do with me feeling a sense of existential dread and mm-hmm. feeling like life doesn't matter? Like, what is that? So I think people are asking different questions. And I think one of the, one of the, the things that says is it's symptomatic. It's, it's symptomatic that we've, what we, you and I are arguing for is that we've lost context. We've lost mm-hmm. context to history. We've lost context. I mean, think of how quickly people want to change history today. Well, we can't, we, we, we can't have this city mm-hmm. named that city. And we can't have this. We just want to change. We're going to erase all of the past, even if it's, mixed and stained yeah um and there's no connection to that and there's no connection to a greater redemptive story so of course i'm going to feel like if the weight of finding purpose and meaning is on me for everything i can see in the west why wouldn't i feel despair why wouldn't i feel existential dread so yeah i think that's symptomatic but then i think it's also indicative of the answer okay well um, I do think the gospel provides uh, and the resurrection of Christ provides not total, not completely satisfactory answers or completely satisfactory life experiences, but deeper and truer life and deeper and truer answers than mm-hmm. um, any other worldview. Um, mm-hmm. So I can find a sense of meaning. I may still struggle with anxiety or have despair, but overall, I find my place in the story and I find life to be more adventurous um, and life to be to have more meaning when I think bigger and broader. I think the resurrection, that's what it means for us today. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the necessity of finding our place in the story and our role in the larger context of history and redemptive history is crucial for um, this generation. Yeah, and so I think that's a good place to... to to leave it and to, you know, kind of plant our flag that uh, as we celebrate Easter uh, this year, that we're celebrating our place in God's redemptive story and celebrating uh, his redemptive redemption in the past and looking forward to the fruits of that for eternity. And that is what gives us meaning 
And uh, I mean, I like what you say in, in terms of it gives us meaning, but it doesn't necessarily give us answers about everything. We don't get all the answers um, because we don't need all the answers. Sometimes we're just the water boy. He doesn't need to know the whole story. He just needs to play his part, but his part is meaningful and it's in a meaningful story. Uh, and that's enough. Uh, and so we can celebrate uh, redemption uh, from the inside of the story uh, as part of as someone invited to the story, uh, together with others invited to the story uh, for God's glory. Uh, so with that, grace and peace and happy Easter. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.